Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right, welcome to another edition of the JP Peterson Show. Coming to you live from our Tampa uh, studio here. And Nick Gettis back in our RHS TV studio in beautiful St. Petersburg as uh, we celebrate. Um, well, I, I really didn't want to be that right yesterday, Nick. When we went after, you know, when we were sounding the alarm on the Rays pitching staff, I, I, I didn't foresee that coming last night. That's not what we wished upon our Rays. We were just kind of sounding the alarm that, listen, it looks like the entire pitching staff is going to be held together by Tyler Glass now if they're going to do anything big this year. He's the linchpin. He's got to stay healthy to keep the bullpen uh, somewhat um, – rested but i didn't see that coming last night the worst loss in history uh by run differential and the rays get pummeled 20 to 1 20 to 1 at home in front of 12,000 people not good you just had to put that into the ether yesterday didn't you you just you helped out too wait a minute don't absolve yourself no i am gonna absolve myself you were part of the no 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 no. i i told you that tyler glasnow was not going to be we, the demand for him back, yes, you want him, but the Rays have done such a good job without him that it's not as dire of a situation he was walking into. And then you were like, it's fool's gold, bro. It's fool's gold. Right. And then you said the same <laughs> thing about Todd Bradley, who proceeds to go out there and have his worst outing, and the Rays end up giving up 20 runs on 27 hits. So you, sir, are to blame for that loss last night. Okay, I, I guess I'll wear that one. Um, but look. Um, this is kind of what we have when you put, uh, you know, a kid out there who really isn't ready, probably isn't ready to pitch in the minor leagues. They probably let him, uh, probably need to get him seasoned a little bit more, but we don't have time for that. He's got the stuff to be a major league pitcher, Taj Bradley. There's no question about that. But I would say if the, you know, if, if the Rays had their way, they probably would keep him down for a little bit longer, but at this point, it's not. It doesn't do anybody any good. He, when he went down there, he pitched horribly. Horribly. So clearly, he you know he's got to be up here and he's got to learn on the job. And, and Kevin Cash said that last night. We're just going to have to be patient with him, um, and we can't expect every you know, rookie to look like Shane McClanahan uh, when they come up. It just doesn't work that way. So Taj has got all the talent in the world. They're going to need him though to eat innings. They're going to need that. And I think I think Cash pulled him last night because you know he sensed that he didn't have his best stuff, and he you know you're up against a really really good major league hitting team. You don't want the kid to lose his confidence and just get battered around. So you bring in uh, uh, Bye Bye Birdie. And I think that we could just give him that name right now, Bye Bye Birdie, and he gives up what five runs in in the fifth inning, and it's the floodgates open. It's a disaster. Yeah, Zach Birdie is going to go back on the Durham train. And I don't think there's going to be – I don't think this is a two-way ticket. Bye-bye, I, I, I don't think this is a two-way ticket. But, I yeah. mean, listen, I know I didn't say it yesterday, but there was probably one of these starts coming for Taj Bradley. Uh, sure. You know, and you face a, a hot offense like – or not a hot offense in Toronto, but an offense that's very capable that had kind of been scuffling here within right. the last week, given what happened against Baltimore, 
given what happened in Game 1 against the Rays. Maybe they were due, and maybe Taj was due for one of those bad outings as a rookie, and the stars kind of aligned there. So uh, it, it is what it is. I think the scoreline's a little inflated, because let's remember, 10 of those runs were given up by, by Luke Rayleigh. Of course. And Christian yeah. Bethencourt. Uh, yeah. Am I saying that 10-1 is any, is any better? No, it still sucks, but... Uh, it was probably listen. We've made it this far into the season, and this is obviously it's the worst loss in Rays history by margin, right? But this right. is the first time all year that I can recall the Rays have really gotten blown out of the uh, blown off the field, and we're almost yeah. fifty games in. So I don't know, I'm trying to look at it on a bright side. There, it's, it's, it's a long it's time a, coming. It's a, it's a big nothing burger in the grand scheme of things. All right, you throw it out. It's just it is what it is. It got out of hand. I mean, but I, I, the only thing I would say is it does highlight the fact that, you know, Taj Bradley is not going to be great every game. No. And the bullpen guys that are backing him up are guys like Zach Birdie right now. I mean, that's just not a combination to win a whole lot of baseball games in a very, very tough division. So this is, you know, kind of like it's why I wanted to kind of sound the alarm a little bit yesterday. We're not hitting the panic button, but I think, you know, there's no question that, you know, Eric Neander has to look at this start and go, okay, it's great. It's fantastic, but we're not going to, we can't rest on our laurels. We can't just sit here and go, all right, you know, we, we, we got off to the, this historic start. We're just going to cruise to the playoffs. No, you want to continue to make your team better. And, and to do that, he's going to have to go get uh, at least one starter and if not a starter and a reliever to, to, uh, to bolster this pitching staff because you don't want to, you don't want to throw away a season like this when all of your hitters are hitterish, and they—they, you know, you know, last night notwithstanding, um, you know, they got a little demoralized there. I think from an offensive standpoint, they—I don't know—I think they knew they weren't going to be able to keep up, up last night. So whatever, it's just a one-off. I'm not—I'm not worried about it. I'm not hitting the panic button just yet, but I think it is. Um, I think it's important to say that you know Eric Neander, and he knows this. He can't just sit on his hands. Uh, as the as the deadline approaches, they're they're going to have to, I think, go out and get a bona fide starter, a good one, a good one, and they're going to have to give up something. As I mentioned it yesterday, I think this is his Julian Breezebois, Jason Light moment. You know, when you acquire uh, Brady, it means all hands on deck. You give away all future assets or whatever you need to do in terms of the salary cap to give your team the best chance to win. Now, you know, with Breezebois, you know, brought in Coleman. And uh, and everybody else that that was his chance to win. Now, um, you know, Barkley, Goudreau, the whole group. Uh, you you got to win now. You get, give up those first round bat, draft picks, and if I'm the Rays, I'm going all in to win now. I, I look around the league, right? Um, do you? The Astros are a good ball club, right? But they're not the juggernaut that they were last year. I don't see another quote juggernaut now look the Yankees will make some moves at the deadline we know that the Dodgers will do that as well the Braves are there but I don't see a team out there that I go wow I, there's just no way anybody's beating that team so if you got a chance to win a World Series like this I, I say you got to go for it if you got to give up some of your prospects give up some of your prospects but you got to get that frontline starter and I would say a high leverage quality left-hander would be nice not named Rolda Chapman yeah, I, w- <laughs> I was going to say the American League is actually pretty wide open this year. Like, even though the Rays are in front, and they only have a three-game lead, by the way, on the Orioles. Believe it or not, the Orioles have the second-best record in baseball. Okay? Right. Uh, so they're there, but I think is anybody really going to sell, like, buy their stock right now on the Orioles as a World Series team? 
we're no, probably going to no, come up just not. a little bit short on that, right? Yeah. Right. But but and even then, you could see every team in the AL East could be a player because right now they all are. Toronto's in last place now. It's their turn to sit in last place, and they're twenty six and twenty three. Like they'd be leading the AL Central right now, and they'd be second in the AL West. Uh, Houston, to your point, eight and two in their last ten. They got Altuve back, who's kind of like the the leader of that team. So I think Houston's going to be there at the end of the year. Texas is there now. Minnesota is there now. The AL East is actually more wide open. So I think it even plays into your point even more. There's more teams that are involved. Like if this was last year, the Rays, in my opinion, if they if the, if the AL if if the American League was playing like they are this year, last year, the Rays would have not gotten into the playoffs last year, if you follow me there. Right. I think that's yeah. fair to say. The AL has taken a big step up this year, so I think it definitely leads more into your, your kind of synopsis there that the Rays have to go all in. And they tried to go all in in 2021, and they got burned, but Eric Neander cannot let that happen. He just cannot let that happen. He has to or, or, or stop him from making a deal. He's got to take another risk, and I think they're going to for this team. I think so too. I, um, I, I think Eric is in that that space right now, and it clearly, you know, we kind of joked about it yesterday that there may be somebody running this franchise. Um, but clearly, they're spending more money. They're spending more money on promotions. They're doing things that other teams do, uh, just in terms of spending money um, that they haven't done in, in the past. So, you know, maybe this is the time where they, you know, they've gone out and, and picked up like a Nelly Cruz and given away some. So they've given they've given away assets. But they've never, and, and I think Nelly was making like what nine million that year, so he, they had to pay basically four and a half million. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about getting a starter on a team that's not contending, that maybe in the last year of his deal, it's it's kind of a rental, and you're going to have to pick up maybe ten, twelve million dollars in salary in the second half. But he's a quality, high leverage starter. I don't know who that guy is right now, but there's always a few out on the market at I, the, come that time. I actually already have a name. I'm already, I've already forward been thinking about it. And, okay. And the All name, right, Neander, what do you got? The name I'll throw out there right now is, is Lucas Giolito from uh, Chicago, uh, the White Sox, that is. He's on a one-year deal right now. So it's, it's literally a rental. He's on a one-year $10.4 million deal right now. So you get him at the deadline, what are you paying? Half of that, basically? Yeah. So maybe that's not what you were saying. You were like necessarily like asking for, but Giolito is. I mean, he was a former All Star. He's had a bounce back year this year. We know the White Sox are going nowhere. He's entering his age twenty ninth season, so I don't see him sticking around for that rebuild that's going on. I think he would be a pretty good option, and I don't think for Giolito you'd honestly have to give up the top top end guys uh, that the Rays are trying to hold on to, i.e. a right. Taj, i.e. a Kyle Manzardo. Or perhaps yeah, some, yeah, yeah. they don't have to give up those guys, but I mean, you no. give up like a top 100 prospect or a second. I mean, the Rays got like seven of them. I think yeah. it's a guy you could get done. So there's a name I'll throw out there right now. Yeah, and I think he's been linked to the to the Rays before as well, maybe in the off season. But yeah, that's a, that's the perfect guy you're looking for right there. Um, you know, a guy that can eat innings, can be really really good, is experienced. Yeah, absolutely. And, and imagine fitting that in within the roster because you know people say, well, we got class now. And we got uh, McClanahan and we got Eflin right now. Why do we got to give up something? You know, three three should be enough. I'm just here to tell you, I just don't believe that all three of those guys are going to remain healthy. The history tells me differently. You, you've got to have a lot of op- – you've got to have enough options. I, 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 I go back to Atlanta right now. Atlanta's a great example, actually, at the moment because two of their top three starters, Max Freed and Kyle Wright, are out for two-plus months right now. 
And Atlanta has endured no drop-off in their rotation because they have so many options that they've surrounded with their starting rotation. They're still able to run a starting rotation with guys right now and have no drop-off. And, I mean, that's kind of the key. The Rays, to your point yesterday, have been able to do that, but it's almost like a piece-together game. And how much longer will the piece-together hold is kind of the big question at the moment. Right, right. Yeah, so... That's where we're at with the Rays right now. And, you know, we're, I think we're probably a month and a half away from them really probably making, you yeah. know, that particular deal and see how everything, you know, you yeah. don't know who's going to pop up and, and maybe start pitching a little bit better. And to the relation of this series, um, I still think the Rays have the upper hand going into today and in Thursday because just look at the pitching matchup. I think tonight is McClanahan Day, it's bump day, and he's, bump going, day. Against, he's going up against your, one of your favorites, Yusei Kikuchi. Is on the mountain. You say Kikuchi is on the hill. I believe you say what? He, he dealed against the Rays though earlier this year, so maybe it's a little bit of a tough matchup. But I'm still taking Shane yeah. in that one. And then, that was good Kikuchi last time. It was he, that was good Kikuchi. No question about it. <laughs> you know, I know good Kikuchi I know when you, I see it, and that's you, good Kikuchi. I know you do. I know yes. you do. Uh, no. <laughs> the day after that, you have Manoa, who's been struggling, and Zach Eflin, who's our, our bulldog for the Rays. So I still like their chances to get out of here with, with hopefully three out of four or get a split in this series. And again, with the cushion the Rays have, you take that any day. Yes, absolutely. So, um, look, we got a long way to go, but it's, it's, it, this is such a fun season to watch. It's not just, the the Rays. I mean, I was watching the highlights last night. Baseball is on fire right now. There's a lot of good stories out there. There's a lot of good players out there. Um, I just feel the game has got a little bit of rejuvenation. Uh, I haven't checked attendance numbers, but I wonder if attendance numbers are up, if ratings are up because the games are moving faster. They seem to be more entertaining. We had the magic squirrel out last mm-hmm. night in, at, uh, at the Yankees in game. New York, yeah. Which, it was so funny watching those look at the face of those people as the as the as the squirrel runs along the outfield wall. Like some of them were like, oh my God, I'm going to die. It's a dinosaur. It's a pterodactyl. And then there's one dude just chilling like, hey, it's a squirrel. And and then the squirrel jumps out and falls, what, 12 feet down in the course. Oh, he went for it. That squirrel oh, yeah. went for it. I thought it, I thought that was the end of his days. No, I think no. he made it. Have you, have you ever seen squirrel? Look, I'm a squirrel expert. I am an expert. My dogs have been chasing squirrels I, forever. I hate, Those things can do amazing things. I hate squirrels with a passion because when I'm taking Riley out, I want him to you know, do his business and get back inside. When right. I go outside and I see a squirrel across the way, immediately face palm like this because now Riley's just going to sit there. And then he's actually going to like go into his sitting stance in the grass and just, just gawk at that squirrel for like 10 minutes. And I'm just like... <laughs> So I hate squirrels. I hate squirrels I got, with a passion because of that. I got one of the one of my most embarrassing moments of my life. I've ever told you this, the squirrel story. I don't think so. No, this is one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. So um, I'm, we're standing out on the street in in South Tampa. You know where they have the the, the wires, the electric wires, and, and wooden uh, electric poles, and they're always just running across. You know, all the time on those poles, all the time. And I'm standing out there with, with my, my two little kids and my friend's two little kids, two little girls, probably six years old, and their parents. And these two particular squirrels were just like going at it back and forth. They're just running and chasing each other up and down. It's just crazy. And my son was like looking at it. And I, and I said, and the girls were like, what, what, 
what are you, what are you guys laughing at? I said, those two squirrels, they've just, just been playing with each other like crazy. And just at that moment, at that particular moment, they came together and started mating. Let's just put it that way. They started mating. Right, and, and I'm pointing at it, telling the two little girls to look up at the squirrels. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, look. And at that moment, my friend looks up and her and his his wife looks up and they look at me like, what are you doing? Like, what, you, you idiot. You I was like, no, no, no. They were playing back and forth. It was really cute before they started the whole, yeah. It did not. So, yeah, I could have, should have just hated squirrels right there for, because they played me. They played me that day. Um, no, I, but you know what? But Tally will chase the ball forever. Oh, I know. Tally has <laughs> I know that. zero. I have the only Labrador that doesn't chase squirrels. You know why? Because she's smart. She knows she's not going to catch them. She doesn't bother with them. Doesn't, doesn't like, I've never seen a lab that doesn't chase squirrels. And she just looks, looks at them and just says, where's my ball? I'm not. I'm not dealing with these these things. They're they're too small. They're too quick. I ain't well, gonna catch them. Yes, I'm out. Yesterday, I got hit with the triple whammy before bed last night. I had the squirrel across the way. I had a worm. I have not a huge worm, like probably like this big, that Whoa. was like sliding across like the sidewalk there. Right. I had that to deal with, and then I had like a bunch of like mops and whatever that were kind of just like interweaving from each other, like by the door. So the process like of, Wild Kingdom. <laughs> this is what happens when you live out in Lithia. We got all the creatures. We got all the creatures. The process of getting Riley out the door and to the grass and back last night, probably the most strenuous yet because I got hit with the triple whammy of distractions right there. The triple right. whammy. Wow. That, that is Wild Kingdom stories right there for you folks. But uh... – all right, let's listen. Let's listen to Kevin Cash from last night uh, after the twenty to one debacle um, that was uh, the Rays and Blue Jays last night. We'll start with maybe Taj first. He battled through a little bit today. Did you feel like the Blue Jays were just applying consistent pressure? And what did you see from his command today? Yeah, look, I mean, I thought Taj threw the ball a little bit better than maybe what uh, the stat line showed. They get three quick hits, but then he comes back and punches out three to end the inning. Unfortunately, he just drove the pitch count up. Um, you know, in fairness to Taj, he's doing a lot of good things. We're going to have to have some patience with him. He's learning on the fly here, but very confident he's going to help us. He's going to be a very good pitcher. Did this just kind of feel like a game you might have to, to flush a little bit based on everything that happened? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think so. Um, we're not in many of these lopsided games that, that I can recall here as of late, and that's a credit to the team, the way they've played. Today got away from us, and, you know, in fairness, it, it, it got a little ugly. It seemed like Taj, um, it was almost like the other game. He had trouble in the first inning, got out of it, helped yeah. that one run. Yeah. Then he had the quick second inning. And yeah. it, it didn't really fall apart. It just seemed like he... No, I mean, he left a 3-2 breaking ball to kind of... I mean, I looked from my middle up to Springer. Um, Jansen went down and got a ball, breaking ball down and away. But, 
I still, he, I thought he executed pitches really well. I mean, for them to come out and get three quick hits off him, a run, and then to get through that first inning, it, it, what was unfortunate is that they all came via strikeouts and deep right, counts. Right. If we can get a ball on the ground and maybe turn two or a quick pop-up, it, it changes the outing. Right, so 80 was kind of the area yeah, I mean, enough four innings? I think so, yeah. He didn't seem to throw his fastball to a much lower percentage than he has in his previous outings. Was that game plan or anything? Uh, I didn't know. I didn't realize that. I don't know. I mean, he came right up. They were, they were ready for his fastball, so maybe he adjusted uh, after those three or four batters. The positives for him striking guys out, not giving him with walks. I would imagine that's yeah. You can work I mean, on. he's got the ability to strike. He's going to get his strikeouts. It's just too good of stuff not to. And he's going to continue to, you know, fine tune the command, the execution, the the count control that I hear Kyle talk about so much. Full confidence, he's going to be fine. And Birdie's inning just kind of got away from it. Yeah, unraveled. That's probably the. That was not a very good inning. Yeah, it looked like, and you always say you appreciate it with, with the position player yeah. for you. What was the idea with sending Luke back out? Did he want to finish it or? Um, yeah, I mean, just given how <laughs> he threw strikes, um, that time through the order, we really saw that effect, didn't we? Uh, Luke needs to develop a changeup. <laughs> <laughs> a changeup for a 50-mile-an-hour fastball? Yeah, it's going to have to work hold, at getting hold a, a little up. bit the, the, of... He, he provided the biggest pop of the night, though. He struck out Vladdy Jr. with a, a nice, <laughs> a sweet little... I think we're calling it a curveball. It was 50 miles per hour. I, are we calling it a curveball? It did go up and that's, it came that's down. Not, that's not curve. That's gravity. <laughs> that's know. called gravity. The gravity ball. There there's, no, there's no spin on that ball. It's just gravity. Well, and like how... Absolutely certain. If I could, I swear to God, when he stepped into the batter's box with that shit-eating grin on his face the second time, Vlad, with the bases loaded, I was like, please, if I on my phone, if I could bet Grand Slam right now, I would bet Grand Slam. You know this is coming. Like, it's absolutely, I don't know what the odds would have been, you know, when we, I can't wait till we have better by better uh, gambling on baseball. That's coming to your phone near you. Can you imagine? I don't know what the odds would have been because somebody would have to set the odds right away, and the odds would be based on the history of baseball. So it would probably be about you know I don't know, 150 to one. I would I would have put 500 bucks on that right away, like right away, because you knew that was coming. You knew it was coming. I'm just glad we can laugh about this right now. Yeah. How privileged are we? <laughs> we can laugh about a 20 to one game. You imagine if the Rays were like 23 and 26 right now. Yeah. And they went out and lost a twenty to one game. What the reaction would be? Oh. Well, we're all just like, eh. that's the way it should you, be. You, you've burned, that's the way it's you baseball. Just, yeah, you just burn the tape. You just it's burn baseball. the tape and get back out to it yesterday. I can guarantee you that Toronto is not going to score twenty runs tomorrow. I don't even. Yeah. I don't think they're scoring ten with McLannan on the mound either. Uh, so you burn the tape. Uh, by the way, just to go back real quick because you were talking about the excitement of baseball. You mentioned the attendance. I actually had a number for you because I saw this yesterday. Uh, the attendance um, over this past weekend uh, was 1,518,16. It was the highest in any weekend of April or May since 2017. So there you go. Attendance is up around the league for the, uh, the highest in six years. So there is more excitement to your points around the game this season. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. I mean, I... I just think that the product is better. Uh, you know, I haven't watched a lot of other baseball games. I've watched, you know, peek in here and there, but 
you know, watching uh, MLB Network and watching all the highlights. It just seems like the stadiums are full um, or, or, or close to it. And there's a lot more action on the field, it seems like. The games are quicker. I, I don't know. It just seems to me, I, I, and I think there's more athleticism in the game than we've ever seen. I think that ticks up every year. You see some of these catches in the outfield. Uh, you know, some of the plays uh, that are made in the infield, especially for the Rays, that one Paredes made two nights ago was freaking unbelievable. I mean, it's it just it just seems to me, maybe because we're watching the Rays so much and they've been so good, but it just seems to me that they're it's just more exciting. I tell you what, I'm at the point now, I, I keep watching the clock for every game. Not the pitch clock or anything, but just the actual regular, you know, world clock. And if we get to like an hour through the game and we're not like in the fifth inning, I start almost like getting like, oh, I start right, having that right. reaction now. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I'm just blown away by the fact that when all these rule changes came out in what, February, March or whatever, I was yeah. like the old man yelling at a cloud on this show that you can't change baseball, like, emo- <clears throat> like the mental, the emotion and all that. And now it's like, I'm like, let's go, everybody. Let's go. Let's yeah. keep it moving. Yeah, and I the, I hear these people talking about uh, you know pitchers are getting injured because they have to go faster. Stop, just stop. I I don't think the injury numbers are up at all for pitchers. Uh, it seems pretty much the same. Well, for they me, they but. are up, they are up, but we don't know the reason. There's a lot of factoring reasons for that. Well, like like dramatically up. I don't know if they're dramatically. No, up, I think but they're, they're, the numbers they're that I up. saw that were you know there's there's a tick there's a tick up, um, but I. I'm not going to go ahead and, and blame the pitch clock right now. I, I we'll, we'll see. We need a bigger sample size. By the end of the year, maybe we'll have a better better feeling for it. Um, all right, let's listen in on Taj Bradley after the game as well, the youngster uh, meeting the media. Well, I don't think it was a horrible start, but, you know, not one of his best either. A little bit today, the Blue Jays just kind of applied constant pressure really all game. How did you feel on the mound today? Uh, I mean, body felt good going into the game. I felt well. It just I wasn't getting ahead with strikes, and Cutter wasn't landing for strikes. So, I mean, I tried to mix my pitches well, which I think I did, but uh, they just got bad on ball. It's only your fifth outing in the majors. I mean, what can you learn from today, and can today be kind of a learning point for you? Uh, today... I don't know. I got to look back at the game. I feel like, you know, I kind of sped up after the first inning. So I'll go back and uh, go over the game and see what I needed to work on or if there was anything, if just today wasn't my day or if there's, like I said, go back and look at something. But, yeah, for right now, I'm just going to uh, <laughs> think on it and go back, watch the game and come back tomorrow with something for Snyder and we can work it out. When you got through the first inning, did it feel a little bit like the other day in New York where you, you kind of held the damage, just allowed the one run, and then you kind of went through the second pretty quickly? Uh, yeah. I mean, it looked the same, obviously. But, yeah, those kind of things I don't want to happen often. I want to get to the innings uh, pretty clean. Like, my pitch count was up the whole game. So, I think, what, 20 pitches an inning? That's not good. If I was a starter, I want to go deep. i got to have, you know, quick outs. Strikeouts are nice, but that's not what I look for. I want to go deep into the games with my pitch count. And just, obviously, you have a short track record in the big leagues, but it seems like you threw your fastball a fair amount less tonight than in your previous outings. Was that game plan, or was there anything to that, or...? Uh, yeah, for me, like, I don't really look at the scouting report. So going off what I saw, like, they were on the fastball, even if it was late and fouling it off. So figured I had to mix it up in the first inning. What, they had two hits off a of fastball. So it was early in the count, too. So mix it in, start it off with something soft and go harder as that bat went on. 
when you run up a pitch count like that but don't walk anybody what do you kind of attribute that to just deep at bats deep counts yeah long 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 at bats so sometimes you know there are pitches that you have to make to put them away or get the ball put in place softly so like that i'm happy for no walks but now i know that i need to put at bats away early so i can go deeper into the game and watch my pitch count and just because it was a topic we talked a lot about was the five starting on the five day a factor at all you think no, I don't think so at all. My velo is the same. My pitches look the same. Body felt great. It's not that. It's just today was a day that was an anomaly for me and work out to get to the next outing and make it better. You know, he sa- sounds very mature there. He sounds like, you know, a kind of a veteran. He knows what he did wrong. Um, he's not freaking out about it. Uh, and that's that's going to be key yeah. to his development. He can't, you know, baseball is a game of failure. We all know that. You got to be able to manage your failures and understand that. And, and this is a great place for him to be in, right? The, the Rays aren't, you know, in a, a, a in a dogfight right now. They're yeah. in really, really good playoff position. Obviously, they're not, you know, they're, they're only what four, what three games three up games now up, on the yeah. Orioles, which is not a lot, obviously. But it's early in the season, and they're probably, you know, twenty games up, fifteen games up on the last playoff spot. You know, you want to get into, the, you want to win the division. I get it, but. Um, so it's not hot, super high pressure right now yeah. for him. He's got a good team. He's going to get good run support for the most part. So it's a good place for him to be right now learning. And I don't think even if he was back in AAA, he'd be learning much anyway. He needs to learn up here. He needs to learn how to attack major league hitters yeah. at this level because his stuff is that good. Yeah, and, and the Rays just have to kind of sit through the growing pains, and the fans have to as well. Uh, what I was going to say real quick is, What's what's the good thing about Taj Bradley is through five outings. What do young pitchers usually struggle with the most? Control, Control. and when they make and when they make a bad pitch, um, they start nibbling. They yeah. don't trust their stuff. Well, you said control, and I'll just rope that into command, right? I think they go right. hand in hand. He only has walked four guys in five outings. Just four guys. That's it. So the command is there. Okay, he's showing some maturity. That, to me, that's that sign of really good maturity from a young pitcher, that he's not walking guys, he's not throwing a lot of balls, really. He still struck out seven guys yesterday in four innings, and the fastball, exactly. the fastball was still lively. It, to me, it's like I can almost live with a really good lineup with some really good hitters in it, kind of just they're sitting on your fastball good, they have a good feel for your pitches, but you're in the strike zone. I can live with that more than if you're really wild and erratic and things like that. So I think that's the positive that I can kind of take out of Taj Bradley's outing last night. I don't think it was a horrendous outing by any means. I don't. And if he was stretched out a little bit more at the big league level, I thought he'd get another inning after him. And if he gets through that inning, then you're looking at five innings, four runs. You're like, okay, that's just a, you know, probably an average outing. And it's not yeah. really as, it's not really as uh, alarming, I guess. So I, I think Taj is on the right level, and you just kind of have to – this is the ebbs and flows of being a rookie in, in the MLB. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we'll take a bit of a break here. Uh, quick break. We'll come back on the other side. Scott Reynolds is scheduled to join us. He was out at OTAs yesterday for the Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield getting the starting reps. How did he look? How did some of these other guys look? We'll get get it from the man who was there. An eyewitness, Peter Reports, Scott Reynolds. All right, our first hour brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com. If you've been involved in an accident, give him a call over there. Uh, um, also, if you've been... Uh, had your tar- car totaled and didn't get the uh, requisite settlement that you think you should have gotten, they can handle that as well. And that's something that happens a lot. So people just think they have to take what they get. You don't. Um, so give them a call over there. Just go to the website, contact them through there, Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group. 
Com. Quick break, back in three with Scott Reynolds. Stay with us. Hey guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability, not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls. But as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. 
Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated. EPI, you've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa. And for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well. Uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. Only just begun. The JP Peterson Show here as we uh, roll through it uh, on. We get a welcome in Scott Reynolds from the Pewter Report, who was at OTAs on Tuesday, and he joins us now um, with his own eyes. He saw the quarterback competition unfold. I did. Yes. You don't look very enthused about it either. Um, <laughs> What's up, partner? Yeah, How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, uh, Baker Mayfield completed passes, and so did Cal Trask. That's where things stand right now, JP. Back to you in the studio. <laughs> we can't wait. Yeah. Well, what was the mile per hour? And, and, and I want to know exactly the spin rate of each particular player before we move on. We have to have these these analytics, my friend. Yeah. Um, listen, <laughs> I'll say this: uh, it, it was it's exciting to see a quarterback competition because think yeah. about it. The la- we had Jameis for five years under yeah. the microscope, right? Watching this first round over number one overall pick grow and emerge and throw a lot more interceptions <laughs> over his five years in Tampa, and then Tom Brady for three years. So uh, you have to go back eight years from that, and then even then, it was Josh McCown was brought in to be the guy. So it's been a long time since. We've seen a quarterback competition in Tampa. There's that. I think it's Baker Mayfield's job to lose. Yeah, I agree. He took the starting reps. Uh, Kyle Trask can get the job. We've talked about it before if he makes the fewest mistakes. They're not going to put a quarterback out there who's a turnover machine. That's the number one way to get Todd Bowles fired. That's the number one way to sink this Buccaneer ship. So as long as Baker Mayfield takes care of the ball, then I think that he's going to end up winning the job because of his experience and – he he's just he's got some energy, man. He's 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 a leader. Like he exudes the leadership qualities that you're looking for. He's got the moxie, the charisma, the swagger, and it, it's it's kind of infectious. And uh, I, I I like this version of Baker because it's he's humble. There's no doubt yeah. about it. And he'll tell you he's like, hey man, I that was the face of the franchise. Now I'm on my fourth team in one calendar year. Uh, that that will humble you, but. You're starting to see some swagger, and I think I think he's going to win Buccaneer fans over because he was asked yesterday about the the doubters in Vegas and the national media, mm-hmm. and you know he kind of has that little chip on his shoulder that kind of comes across that little kind of yeah. smug look. But now the thing is, is when he was doing that before as the Browns, Bucks fans were like, Ugh. and right. now he's doing it with the Bucks. They're like, oh, cool! Like he's you know he's part of Bucks Nation. He's sticking up for Bucks Nation, right? And so I, I think that that 
fans are going to become a little bit more ingratiated. He's going to win over Buccaneer fans, I believe, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I guess it, it's got to be very interesting to see a Buccaneers practice where the quarterback is rolling out. Oh, yeah. And he's throwing <laughs> yes. on the run. And, yes. oh, my God, that was a bootleg. Look yes. at that. Wow, and there's a ton looks- of them. Yeah, uh, I, I'll say this. Kate Otten actually said it best. He said, this offense is designed for quick, easy completions. Get the ball into the playmaker's hands quickly. There is a vertical element to this offense, but the reason why you needed that big, strong like pocket passer that, that Bruce Arians always wanted, right? And, and you, you talk about just a change in dynamics. 6'5", Tom Brady, 6'5", Kyle Trask, 6'4", Blaine Gabbert, 6'4", Ryan Griffin. Now you've got 6'5", Kyle Trask, 6'1", Baker Mayfield, 5'11", John Wolford. It's a completely different looking dynamic at the quarterback position. But this is a horizontal offense. This is designed to stretch uh, defenses side to side, use every blade of grass in, in the width of the field rather than the length of the field. And, and, and while defenses are kind of going left to right, that's when you hit them down the field with some play action and some RPO stuff. But a lot of bootlegs, uh, a lot of, of uh, mesh routes, crossing routes, uh, stuff that's designed to get receivers the ball in their hands to get yards after catch. The, the one like negative takeaway in the Bruce Arian system is, while there is that deep shot vertical element down the sidelines with Mike Evans, and then when Gronk was here down the seam or Chris Godwin down the seam, you had the ability to get some of those chunk plays in a vertical nature. But how? if it wasn't a go route, what was it? It was a comeback. It was a curl. It right. was guys catching the ball with their backs to the end zone. And standing still. And standing still. Run. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's a different part of this offense. It's actually pretty exciting. Yeah. And there's a lot of speed on this team with whether it be Trey Palmer, Devin Tompkins, Chris Godwin can still move. Mike Evans, you know, is is a prime mover. Averaged almost 15 yards a catch last year. So it's going to be a different brand of Bucks football offensively. And and I think there's there's kind of like an exciting element because of the bootleg and the mobility from the quarterbacks. Yeah, you mentioned like this offense being more like about the width of the field and the length of the field. And I was going to ask you about some of those kind of death receivers because I'm interested to see how that shakes out, especially yeah. how many are they going to keep. Uh, I guess the four right now, it seems like, that are beneath the, the front three are like Trey Palmer, uh, yeah. David Moore, who they brought in, yep. and Rakeem Jarrett, I, I hear good things from as the undrafted guy. Uh, and I know yeah. I'm no miss Devin Tompkins. I think is the other yeah. one, right? So of those that. of those four guys there, how do they their kind of skill sets? Because I know they're all kind of speedy guys. They can get down the field. How do their yeah. skill sets kind of lend themselves to Canales' offense? You think? Well, remember the last guy on that. That let's say they keep six wide receivers. Right? He's going to be the return specialist. Whether it is Trey Palmer beating out Devin Tompkins, or if Devin Tompkins just asserts himself, I'm the return guy, then he'll make it by default and and be the the return specialist there. Um, David Moore is an interesting body type because he's six foot, about 220 pounds. He's almost built like a running back. Then you've got a guy in Devin Tompkins who's, what, like 5'7", you know, um, but he's got a 41-inch vertical, and he consistently goes up and and uh, and, and mosses people for the ball at 5'7". It's kind of remarkable. But and Trey Palmer is just a blur on the field. I mean, he's he's faster than, than – um, 
than Scotty Miller is, and he's more dynamic because Scotty Miller was was more just the straight line guy. Right. And I think there's some wiggle and and there's some agility to Trey Palmer that that Scotty just didn't have. So I, I think you know th- that's going to be exciting to see how it shakes out. But whoever ends up being wide receiver four, five, and six behind. And, and let's just say five and six, because Trey Palmer's going to make it. Let's pencil him at number four behind Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage. Those last two spots, they're going to have to be some really dynamic playmakers. And I think Rakeem Jarrett could be uh, in the mix there. And I tell you, Cade Warner, don't sleep on, on Kurt's son, uh, the Kansas State Wildcat. He's got some sneaky speed. He is incredibly smart. And, you know, the most important thing, I'll, I'll never forget the story that Taekwon Underwood, remember the legendary Bucks receiver, Taekwon yes. Underwood? Legendary. <laughs> legendary. Legendary, <laughs> yeah. him. Right. But he, uh, he came from New England uh, and where he was kind of like a bubble player. And he told me the story of when uh, Bill Belichick called him into his office. And, um, and he sat him down, and Ty was struggling. And, but they liked his speed. He was a Rutgers kid and, you know, Shiano man. And so he... He said, uh, you know, Ty, um, we're asking you to do two things. Get open and catch the ball. Right. And you're doing a good job getting open. But I can't keep you if you don't catch the ball. Right. And it's, it's really simple for wide receivers. Get open <laughs> and catch the ball. That's it. That's the only thing you really have to do. Maybe block downfield, you know, on, on plays, their running plays. But that's it. And so, for, for you know, th- that's what, what Cade Warner can bring to the table. He can get open. It may not be the quickest, fastest. He's not going to be a blur out there, but the guy can create some separation, and he's got clutch hands. And so sometimes as a speed receiver, if you don't catch the ball, the speed, it doesn't really matter. And yeah, we've exactly. seen Scotty Miller have some of those drops, and that that's what prevented him from getting more opportunities. So that's what it's going to take, whether it is Rakeem Jarrett or Cade Warner or uh, you know, Devin Tompkins, Kalen Geiger. There's a lot of guys that – that are going to be fighting for those last two roster spots. And I think there's some really quality guys on the back end of that depth chart. Scott Reynolds joining us here from the Pewter Report. Uh, he was out at first day of OTAs. Um, I, I want to get more of your your, uh, your your firsthand account of that, but I also have to ask you about a big rule change that went down yesterday yeah. with the fair catch on special teams. I mean, they're, they're doing it. everything they can to, to, to get the kickoff out, out, of, yeah. out of the NFL. So now – you know, and I think, frankly, this helps the Buccaneers because for whatever reason, they, they can't, can't figure out special kicks, teams. Yeah. They, can't they can't return kicks and they yes. can't cover them. So yeah. if, there are, if there are less and of them, so I, be it. I, I agree. And, and listen, as someone who went to special teams U, which is Kansas State, nobody right. returns more kicks and punts for touchdowns than Kansas State or blocks them. I, mean, I think it's are, a great part of the game that they're legislating out. I, I don't like it. It really is. I, I agree. And, and I, I, I think the pendulum has swung too far into the – Safety the the safety issue, yeah, I yeah. agree, uh, and we're seeing it too with the the ridiculous protection of the quarterbacks, right? Yes. Where yeah. where you yeah. have to provide a quarterback for the pillow and a blanket to tuck him in <laughs> when you sack him, right? I mean, that's that's prerequisite. If you don't come, if you grab the quarterback and you don't have the pillow, then it's a flag. So they're doing the same thing with special teams. They're just they're getting rid of it. And, and it is a dynamic, electric part of the game. I mean, Deion Sanders, right, uh, was just oh. like you got out of your seat when he caught the ball when it, when it was a punt. Because it's the most exciting play in football, the kickoff yeah, it, return. It really is. It is. It, it is, yeah. And, 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 it, and it's, Yeah, and it has the chance to be – Well, remember the Bills game, right? I mean, when, when uh, DeMar Hamlin came back 
yeah. and they had the opening kickoff return right? for touchdown. I mean, it's like that 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 whole stadium went bananas. So I I, I don't agree with that. I know why they're doing it, but it's just it's so stale. Like it, here's the thing: like why even kick the ball then? Just right. give the exactly. Just exactly. why why waste the time? If you're if you're that concerned about that, because think about this, uh, you can still have those collisions on a fair catch because you have guys going down there assuming running down right exactly Play is so live. exactly so I, I think the NFL is doing a, a stupid disservice, but uh, the NFL is stupid and does stupid things. Yeah. So if if the objective is to make it super safe, then don't even do it. Just say you're going to get the ball at the 25 yard line offense every time. Yeah, they they should, they should have a uh, a new promotion with the sleep number bed that the NFL yes. is in, in bed with. Exactly, and they can have the quarterback saying, "This is this is almost as as comfortable as playing quarterback in the NFL." Yeah, laying exactly. on this mattress. When Aaron Donald sacks me, um, he sets the setting to seventy nine. <laughs> it's a very comfortable sack, right? You know, whereas anything below like, fifty will be a flag. When you've got Micah Parsons sacking me, yeah, it's a little rougher at sixty five. You know, but I, I prefer the Aaron Donald sack. Right, I mean, that's, I think, it's it's just getting ridiculous. We'll have the you know Gabrielle Union come in throwing the white flag right. or the yellow flag with with yeah. uh, her hubby there. Um, yep. uh, so what else caught your eye out there at camp yesterday? Size so, of the offensive line, uh, it's ooh, big. So let's just go left to right. Let Tristan works now the left tackle, six foot five, three hundred and forty five pounds. It's all good weight. I mean, he's yeah. just a, he's a superhero. I was going to say he's a freak of nature, but that, that, that does a disservice to freaks of nature. He is a superhero. He is the thing. He is juggernaut. He is the Hulk. The Hulk. Uh, all rolled into one. Six foot five, 345 pounds. Donovan Smith was about 330. So you're, you're getting a bigger body at left tackle. Remember, you, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then you had Nick Leverett, you know, six one ish, you know, 300 ish pounds at left guard. Now you've got Matt Filer, 6'6, 330. Those two guys standing next to each other, it just looks like like a moving wall. Yeah. And and that's really exciting because most teams still to this day are kind of right-hand run teams. They're right-handed mm -hmm. in terms of going to the, the right side when they're running the ball. Now you've got the, the biggest side of your offensive line is left. And and so that presents more problems for the defense, I think, because now you really have to, you, you really have to kind of get out of that mindset of they're going to run to the right, oh, they're going to run to the left now, right? And you have to be more balanced and a little bit more guesswork for defenders, I think, because of that. Uh, Robert Hainsey looks bigger. I don't know what he weighs right now, but he looks like a bigger version of himself. We've seen him work out with uh, AQ Shipley this off season. And he looks like he's 5'10 pounds bigger. But Ryan Jensen's about 320. He'll be in there as the starting center. The, the right side of the line, that's the inexperienced side. That's the green side. you got Cody Mock, but, again, Shaq Mason last year, maybe 6'1", maybe 300 pounds. Now you've got a 6'5", 305-pound guy that's still going to grow and, and, and gain weight and, and be a bigger version of himself in the future, Cody Mock. And then you've got... Luke Edicke, he looks a little bit bigger himself. He's probably closer to 320 than he is 312, six foot five. Um, the coaches say he's made big strides in pass protection, which was the area that he needed to to work on, and that's the more comfortable side. So this is going to be a – for me, it's a pass-fail thing with Luke Edicke. This is your natural side. This is where you played in college. You looked really comfortable here. It, it wasn't always pretty, but it, it was serviceable against the Falcons. This is your year to show – you're a second-round pick, and you you can handle the right tackle position. 
And if, if it's ugly this year, if there's some learning curve, some growing pains this year, then, then you got to punt probably and find somebody else to do it. But it's, it's just a, it's a bigger, more impressive looking group off the line. Uh, size doesn't always equate wins in the trenches, but it's a much better start, I think, especially at the guard position than you had last year with two really undersized guards in Shaq Mason and and Nick Leverett. This is still and always has been and always will be a big man's game. Hey, a couple other things. I saw you wrote a, a, a nice column there, uh, a letter, if you will, to Devin White, and mm-hmm. a letter of advice you put in there, really well done. Uh, so Thank you. First of all, has has Devin unblocked y'all yet at Pewter Report? No. Has this not helped? I'm I'm guessing. Uh, no, this, I, this... I, I, not my concern. <laughs> I mean, I don't care who follow who follows us or who so you doesn't. Don't get or... to, so you don't get to see the the great tweets all the time. You don't get. To I see don't. Those? But but uh, you know he has not blocked our entire staff. So I'm still privy to what he's saying. Just. I don't get to see it so, unless it's put in our group chat. So what do you, what are, what are the next steps there you think with Devin and, and kind of just talk about what you wrote there a little bit? Well, I, I think basically it was, I, and I, I didn't, I didn't come out and say this, uh, this particular thing, but he has to realize the damage he's done to the fan base. And we're, we're you know, you're, you're in, you're in a marketable position. You're trying to market yourself to other teams, not just the Buccaneers, because you will be a free agent. After this, you get to decide if you want to stay in Tampa, if they'll have you, or if you want to go somewhere else. And so there's a couple of things at stake for Devin. Um, number one, if he alienates the fan base, it's going to be a tougher time for him to regain popularity uh, and also for the franchise uh, if they decide to re-sign him or at least make him an offer, right? Um, because he's really taken a popularity hit. We've done some polls and the fans are saying, we don't want you to have a C in your chest. We want that C to go to Antoine Winfield. And, and, and that's something else I put in there, too, is, like, you can lose your captainship. And, and that's something that's kind of important to teams. How many times, uh, and it's not just exclusive to the Buccaneers, how many times on draft day would you hear teams talking about player X that they drafted in the first round? Yeah, he was a two-time team captain. It's important. That's a leadership quality type thing. If you're going to pay Devin White, you know, $18, $20 million, whether you're the Bucks or somebody else, you want him to be a leader. You're paying him good money to be a leader. And uh, how would it look if in his last stop, they stripped him of his captainship? The last time we saw a player that was a team captain, uh, it, kind of like in a, a pivotal year, not get the C on his chest was Josh Freeman, <laughs> his last year. The, the, they didn't vote him a team captain. That was very telling. And and that, and guess what? He didn't even last that season, right? He was gone by by midseason, in favor of Mike Glennon. So, um, the other thing too is 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 you know, do you want to be the highest paid linebacker in the league? Are you more interested in the money, or are you interested in being a Buccaneer legend or a Buccaneer icon? And I made it very clear that Derek Brooks, the greatest linebacker in team history, and in my mind, Devin's number five on the list. You've got. You've got Derek Brooks, Levante David, Hardy Nickerson, Shelton Quarles, and then you've got uh, Devin White. And I know some some Buccaneer fans might say Shelton Quarles. Um, yeah, Shelton he Quarles had over, had over a thousand tackles. He's actually yeah. the fourth leading tackler in team history behind <laughs> those other three. So the stats are justified. And then if you want to to see how the organization feels about Shelton Quarles, go in the lobby. Okay. He's one of, of the, the guys in the statues with Mike Allstott, Simeon Rice, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Brad Johnson, and Simeon Wright, or, I mean, and Shelton Quarles. 
Shelton Quarles has one Pro Bowl berth, so does Devin White, and one Super Bowl win, so does Devin White. So Quarles is right there. But Devin's, Devin's number five in that list. And, you know, if you want the money, then go get it, but it's probably going to be elsewhere. If you want to be a legend, come back, apologize to the fans, say, I made a mistake. Yep. We as human beings are very forgiving people, okay? But if we have to kind of cajole you to apologize or if you apologize on social media and you don't do it uh, heartfelt in front of a camera in a press conference, eh, you know, it doesn't yeah. mean much. Did exactly. your press agent do it for you or, or is this coming from your heart? So I think he's got to make some amends when he comes back. And the other thing, too, is show up. And I, I wanted to kind of warn him, hey, this team's really, really high on Servassier Dennis, like really high. I've not heard them talk about a, a day three linebacker uh, really since Quan Alexander when they drafted Quan in the fourth round, and he ended up being a starting middle linebacker for this team. You know, And I don't think he was as focused. I think he was more focused. He would have had a better career. But Servassier Dennis means business. And Devin White could quickly, if he decides to hold out, Todd Bowles, not afraid to play rookies. He, he started Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting in 2019 when they were rookies. He started Antoine Winfield in 2020, helped win a Super Bowl. He didn't care. I mean, if you're good, he'll, he'll play you. He would rather play the guy entering his fifth year in a system. But that's not up to Todd. That's up to Devin. If Devin's not there, then, then the, you know he's making up Todd's mind for him. If Devin shows up, the sooner he shows up, the the, the fewer reps Sarvasia Dennis gets, and the more he has a better chance of ingratiating himself back into the team, getting the C on his chest, and all is right with the world. But the longer he holds out, the harder it's going to be to mend some of these fences with the fans, with the organization, and and to to solidify his stance for the the twenty twenty three Buccaneers. And Scott, I think um, you know a guy that we're we haven't talked a lot about because you know you got new faces coming in. But I think maybe if not the second most important player on this team, um, he's he's uh, he's certainly in the top five, and that's Rashad White. Yeah, uh, wearing number one. I yep. understand a running number back one. wearing number one. Yep. We were trying to figure out: has there ever been a running back that wore number one? Yeah, I don't um, know. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy because he's like super humble. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, but he's bigger, right? And he's he's, he's going to get 25, 30 touches a game if yeah. this offense is running the way it should, right? Yes, and it's it's a we we've been saying it's a wide zone scheme, and there is some wide zone to it, but there's it's a lot of mid zone too. It's a lot of uh, you know hitting the B gap or the C gap rather than extending it all the way to the sidelines and trying to hit gaps there. I, I really think that this is what he did really well at Arizona State. He's very comfortable in this running scheme. Iowa ran this scheme a, a, a pretty good deal of, uh, of, of the time. Tristan Wirfs is very comfortable doing this zone stuff. They just don't didn't do it a whole bunch in Tampa. It was it was in the playbook. Byron Leftwich just never called it. Right. So they've got some experience doing it. It just more was in practice behind the scenes. But it's going to be more of a staple of this running game. Now they'll do some gap, you know, straight ahead uh, type runs, but it's mostly his own running scheme and. This offensive line can move. Rashad White's got a great vision, and he's a bigger version of himself, closer to 220, 225 pounds. And I, I think he's primed for a big year. Rashad White last year, and in all of my, this is now 28 years I've been doing this, is, was the most mature rookie I've ever encountered in my entire life. 
maybe Donnie Abraham was the other one, just with how quickly Donnie assimilated in, into Monty Kippen's defense. And for Monty Kippen to start a rookie at cornerback was like it was unheard of. But this kid just has the it factor from a mentality standpoint. And and I think, you know, he's a third round pick. Does he have does he have first round talent? Is he like one of those he's not a Bijan Robinson type running back, but I think he's good enough to be very serviceable in this offense and provide the balance that they're looking for. And he can also be a factor in the passing game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what he can do, and uh, even Keyshawn Vaughn, and, and we'll see what other backs. And, and as far as we know right now, um, oh, God, the kid from Syracuse. Sean Tucker. Sean yeah, Tucker. Sean Tucker's He's... not medically cleared to play yet. They're, they're, right. they're hoping for training camp. And also Chase Edmonds was also uh, sidelined yesterday. He was there, but but uh, didn't see him. So he's he's another guy in the mix looking to kind of restart his NFL career. He's hungry, and and we'll see. I think on the on the defensive side, real quick, the biggest standout. And, and again, in the trenches, it's all patty cake right now. There's right. no pads on, so they're not really doing anything. Uh, the only thing you can look at is just the size. And Logan Hall has hit the weight room as was expected of him. Good. And, man, he's close to 300 pounds now, and he looks night and day different than he did a year ago. It's almost like in Alex Kappa's second season uh, when he, you know, because he kind of redshirted his first season. You know, he was making that transition from Humboldt State left tackle to NFL guard, right, from year one to year two. And he came back looking like a guard. Like he had the butt, the hips, the trunk. You know, the thighs, like, wow, okay, dude, he looks like a guard now, right? He's not that, like, long, linear guy. That's kind of how Logan Hall was, like, long and linear yeah. last year, and now he looks more like I'm a trench guy in the NFL. And so mm -hmm. th that's exciting to see. Now, whether it translates well, we'll see. I think the athleticism, the quickness is still going to be there. But at least he looks the part now, and – he should have the size and the mass and the strength to hold up better in the trenches against those double teams. All right. I know you got to go, but I got to ask you this because it's topical. Sure. And yeah. I know you're going to have a good one. Uh, since Greg Schiano <laughs> was in yeah. the news this week, right. for your parting shot, give me a good Schiano story on the way out the door. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> Anything um, come to mind? I just yeah, I love oh, yeah. the quote. I love the quote where he like he's he's like I was sitting in my Buccaneers office and heard Rutgers went into the Big Ten and I sat there and cried. Yeah. I could just think of Buck fans if you could only have seen that moment where your your coach was crying that he wasn't at Rutgers anymore. Yeah. Oh my God, what a slap in the face! Yeah, it, it didn't work out with Greg. I've got a lot. I, I, there's there's some that I, I legitimately cannot publicly say okay. because right. it was. And, and he, we he, always he, say this: he was a hell of a nice guy off. He really was off the yeah. field. Yeah. He's yeah, super he, super nice dude. He, two two quick things on Shiano. Number one, he he ruled that Rutgers program with an iron fist. Okay, he was he was like like Saban at Alabama, right, but like up right. there in New Jersey, which is like very very small and, and minuscule yeah. compared to SEC Alabama, right? But it, same type of mentality up there, and he got away with it because he won. I mean, it's right. it's it's New Jersey football. It's nothing compared to the SEC or the Big Twelve or the Big Ten. Uh, now they're in the Big Ten, but they're still kind of you know not really that great. But um, <laughs> He 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 did not understand the NFL media. And here's here's one quick thing I will say that's that's pretty interesting. Um, we had a meeting, and it was too late. This is when the billboards, the fire shadow billboards were up. He he finally had a meeting with with me, and told me 
all of the, the dirt on Josh Freeman that he knew that he knew Josh was spiraling. He's like, I, right. I spent more time trying to save Josh Freeman's career. Um, and he's a pro. Then I spent with any one kid at Rutgers trying to get them to come alive or turn it around or whatever. And he said, that's the one thing people think I was anti Josh Freeman. I tried to get that guy on track more than anything, but um, I, I had to draft Mike Lennon because the writing was on the wall that Josh was in a downward spiral yeah. and was not going to make it. And he's like, and that wasn't a Greg Shiano thing. It could have been any coach. Josh was just in the downward spiral professionally. And so um, when, when remember, Glennon was a third-round draft pick, right? That's, that's kind of like, whoa, oh, man, yeah. you're, you're spending you know, a premium pick on a quarterback there. And the thing is, he didn't tell anyone in the media, not Rick Stroud, not myself, nobody, uh, the reasoning behind it or, it, hey, off the record, I'm very concerned about Josh Freeman. I'm not going to trash the kid. I don't want right. this out there. But there's a reason why I drafted Mike Lennon. And that way, when, when we as reporters have some background knowledge, some context, we're not jumping to conclusions. And if you remember, it was Josh Freeman's dad in his camp versus Shiano. And they tried to make Shiano the villain when really uh, – Freeman's camp was just trying to cover up Freeman's exactly. downward spiral. And trust exactly. me, uh, both of my sons were there at the Josh Freeman football camp that year, um, <laughs> up here in Wesley Chapel, that Josh Freeman didn't show up for. Didn't show up for his own camp until, like, literally the last 10 minutes of, of camp. Vincent Jackson had to come in as, as the, the camp star <laughs> to save face for Josh Freeman, who was probably not in the, the best state of mind to come right. to camp. So um, it, it, at the end of the day, there was a ton of misinformation. Shiana was made out to be the, the anti-Josh Freeman villain when, when that really, really wasn't the case. It was right? Josh. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, 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 not to get political, but it's almost like we, we all lived it. Like the Iraq war was, mis was built on a lie yeah. and misinformation, right? right? Um, because there were no weapons of mass destruction and all that stuff. And, and the truth comes out later. Right. But Chiano did a really, really poor job of not using the media, not in a, in a maniacal or sinister way, but in a, like, this is really important information that you need to know for context, for background, as you're crafting your stories. Here's the full picture. Instead right. of just getting but it he didn't Freeman, trust. He didn't trust you. Didn't, didn't trust, trust anyone in the media at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because in Chiano land up in Rutgers, he didn't have to. Right, Exactly. And, yeah. and, and, and I, you know, I, right, real quick, before he, or actually after he was, was fired, we had lunch together. He took me out to lunch, me and Mark Cook. And, and he said, you know, you guys ended up being really fair to me, especially at the end. Uh, if I ever go into the NFL again, or even if I go back into college coaching, I'll have a better understanding of what to do with the media. And, you know, and the thing is, is it's not like you have to be our friend, but don't be our enemy. Right. right, exactly. Uh, it, it's exactly. a work. It's a working relationship. We're not designed to carry any water, or you know, um, you know, cover up this or that, or be the cheerleader for a certain coach or, or whatever. But it's a working relationship, you know, and, and and it has to be a give and take, and there has to be some kind of background and off the record stuff, some kind of context that that we can kind of use off the record information to help fill in the blanks. Yeah. Because if we don't have the full picture, then we start speculate. to speculate. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, uh, Scotty. As always, tell everybody where they can get your content, what's coming up on Pewter Report this week. 
PeterReport.com, the mothership, be sure to come to it. We've got our, our Inside the OTA story up from yesterday and more content on the way today. And you can also follow us on social media, at PeterReport, and that's the at little at symbol, PeterReport, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we've got podcasts four days a week on our PeterReport TV YouTube channel, PeterReport TV. Go to there and subscribe to it. We go 4 o'clock Eastern on Mondays and Tuesdays, and then for the primetime folks, 7 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Tonight, we're looking at the second-year breakout player for the Buccaneers. So is it Logan Hall? Is it Rashad White, Kate Otten, et cetera? Is it Coquifed? Is it Zion McCollum? Um, It probably won't be Coquifed, but (laughs) tune in for that. And then tomorrow, we've got uh, Cody Malk, the the Bucs' second-round pick, the rookie offensive lineman. He'll be on as our special guest, a live Q&A with Cody Malk. And then next week, on Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we've got Rashad White. So we've got a couple of Buccaneers lined up as guests. So make sure you tune in to that on Pewter Report TV, our YouTube channel. That should be fun. Good stuff. All right, Scotty. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate Rick, it, JP, man. thank you. Appreciate thank you. it. You're the best. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. I want to uh, digest a little bit of what he just said there and uh, talk a little bit more Buccaneers as well. We got to talk some uh, hockey last night. The hit by Jamie Benn. Wow. That was uh, – uh, that, that was horrible, and there'll be some fallout from that. Well, so we'll talk some hockey. We'll talk a little bit about the Lakers and the Heat, and also the Heat last night. It's the Celtics finally find it, and John ja Morant. There's some breaking news with him as well. Um, lots more to get to here in the second half of the show. Stay with us. This is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad, was going to another big bank, but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa, and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com, or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? 
Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events. The Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF, they did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show. Yes, you heard uh, that ad right there for uh, Extravaganza Productions, our new newest uh, advertiser. And by the way, if you want to advertise on the show, just contact me, JP at the JPPetersonShow.com. Pretty easy email address to remember there, JP at the JPPetersonShow.com. And we'll get you hooked up. Uh, our numbers have continually grown, and we're doing great things for our advertisers. So jump aboard. We'd love to have you. Uh, we got room for a few more. So, um, and we're expanding in, in many, many ways. So we thank you guys so much for being a part of the show and watching and listening and sharing uh, the show as much as you can on, on social media. We really appreciate that. Um, all right, lots to get to here. Um, 
I got to jump out at 1130, but Nick's going to stay with you and go through all the Baker Mayfield audio, which is really good from yesterday. I listened uh, to his interview and I just, I, I I just can't stop liking this guy. (laughs) I'm developing a little bit of man crush on Baker Mayfield. He's he's saying all, he's saying all the right things. He's, He's a lot more, he's, He's a lot more warm and fuzzy than the previous guy. Oh, my I'll tell you that. God. Yeah, well, the well, the previous guy won, so I don't, I don't, I didn't really give a rip if he was warm and fuzzy and he cuddled up to me at care. night. I don't care. I don't, I don't I care. I didn't either, really exactly. care. Yeah, but uh, Baker's keeping it real, so we'll we'll, we'll uh, save that audio for the last half hour, and uh, Nick will go th- go through that with you with some other stuff as well. I want to get into some uh, other stories and um, just start locally. Um, there's a, a lot of good high school baseball going on right now. Cavalry, Calvary Christian won the state title last week. Um, uh, what a former Buccaneer, David Gibson, his son plays for Calvary. So that, I saw some of their stuff on social media. They came back and got a big win. So they won a state title. Uh, Plant uh, won yesterday in their semifinal coming back. Um, what did they score? Uh, three runs, four runs. They were down a couple of runs. They came back in the seventh inning. Uh, their last last bats, and after a half-hour rate lightning delay, got it done. So they're going to play for the state title. Uh, they have only won one in history and back in 1988. Uh, Sickles, Caden McDonald, who's probably going to be a number one draft pick, uh, allowed one base runner yesterday in the semifinal. One base runner. I think he hit a home run, too, for Sickles. So they're going to play at 2 o'clock today for the uh, state title. So against uh, Parkland, by the way, which is interesting. Um so, lot, congrats to all the ba- local baseball teams. We're having a great year this year. A lot of these kids are going to get drafted, and we'll see them playing, you know, moving on like like Kyle Tucker and Singer and hey, Jason it, Romano it, and all those. Can guys. we also give a shout out to USF baseball for what they did yes. yesterday in the AAC tournament? I believe they were the bottom seed, and they had to face the the juggernaut that is known as East Carolina. And yes, USF, USF knocks them off in extra innings, 12-11. They got up. They were down nine to five, I think, going into the the bottom of the, or the the ninth inning. Nine to five. Yeah, they scored six runs. Yeah. Scored six runs to get it to eleven nine. Then they give up that two run home run in the ninth inning in the bottom half, and I'm like, oh, you can't make this up. USF comes back yeah. to rally, and now they're going to lose this game somehow. But they pulled it out. So. Now they put themselves in a really good position in the winner's bracket, and obviously they have to win this tournament to get in. Uh, for my reasons, I'm not rooting for them because UCF needs to win the tournament too to get into the dance. So, But, right. but good to see UCF won their game yesterday uh, as well yesterday, but that was good to see from USF baseball. Yeah, a little bit of life. I mean, it hasn't been a great season for them. I think they're like, what, 21-35 and 35 or 39 or something. Has not been, um, no. Yeah. But remember yeah, they, as we said yesterday, no, I was just going to say, remember two years ago, they weren't a great team during the regular season, and they got hot at the right time, and they got into the dance. And remember, they shocked some people early on in the tournament. So anything can happen in these tournaments. You never know. Yeah. Oh, while we're uh, mentioning um, the state titles in baseball, something we missed last week, I wanted to, to do a shout-out to Robinson and Alonzo, their flag football teams, which, which have just been absolutely dominant over the last few years. Um I'm reading the article here. For the fifth time in the past seven years is from the Times, Scott Perks. Hillsborough County won both divisions of the Florida High School Athletic Association flag football in dominating fashion. Alonzo claimed the Class 2A state title 33-6 over Fleming Island, while Robinson took the Class A title with a 32-13 victor, 
victory over Chuck Dewachi. Um they, they have been absolutely dominant. I'm trying to see some of the numbers here uh, over the last few years. Um, yeah, uh, the Ravens basically cruising their final two games to close with a 23-0 and record, uh, the Alonzo Ravens. So, and, and Robinson has been just absolutely ridiculous over the past, just since flag football ever started. Uh, their quarterback, uh, I, hope, I think I'm saying it right, Mikey Rowe, completed 73% of her passes for 5,000 yards, 95 touchdowns, and only 11 interceptions. 95 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. <laughs> That's just crazy. And uh, if you ever seen that, you know, the Bucks hold a big, uh, the biggest flag football tournament in the, in the world, I believe, at their facility for all these high school kids. And they do a great job and you know, make the girls feel like they're playing in the NFL. And it is, it's so fun to watch. Very skilled athletes. And I, I just think this sport's going to take off. And at some point, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be, you know, a, a college, a college, uh, like a real college sport. And I think it, who knows where it's going to go? Cause we love football. Uh, women's athletics is starting to really, really pop. And, you know, these athletes are just really, really good athletes. Yeah. Yeah. It's another sport. You're starting to see that now, right? There's a lot of sports that we don't put in the, uh, in the forefront of our eyes necessarily that are starting to come through. I remember you brought that up to me last week and I told you, I was like, well, can it please be any better than the, the, uh, the women's professional football league, which they played on. That's awful. They played that on ESPN last year. I remember on the, on ESPN, they played a game last year. One of those friends and families deal in the stands, whatever, but it was, it was a brutal watch. A brutal watch. I don't understand. I don't know if there's clearly not a demand for that, but for flag football, I think that'd be fun to watch. Uh, just a comment here, real quick, as we had brought up, like brought up college baseball. Jordan G chiming in. Shout out to Florida baseball as well. Uh, they won the SEC championship, and they're the number two team in the nation, one of the favorites to win the yeah. whole thing. So, you know, we don't. I know me or you don't particularly care for the Gators, but I think we uh, we like to see Florida teams succeed. Oh, we shout them out, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. When they're doing well, and to yeah, the, to we, the we, point about the the USF game because they won that game, they play UCF on Thursday tomorrow. And it's in Clearwater at one o'clock, and I think I'm going to make a trip over there. Eight dollar ticket. Oh, nice! Eight dollar trip to go watch USF and UCF play the War on I four in the AAC tournament. I think I'm going to be there for that one. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and um, I think Florida will obviously host a regional as a number two. So we'll see how they they um, roll through the postseason for college baseball, which is always fun. Florida State's. They had their worst season ever Ugh. under the first-year coach, uh, Link Jarrett. But I think Link's going to get it together. I'm hearing a lot of good things. They, they like the way he's running the program. The you know Their pitching was just dreadful this year, and they just haven't recruited well in the pitching department. They got some great players, Cam Smith and a bunch of others, but um, they, they're, 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 they got to get stock up the pitching cabinet a little bit more. Softball's doing they well. Before good again. The softball's doing yeah, well. Yeah, softball. Yeah, we got. The, yeah, they went into the regional, super regional against Georgia. Uh, I Georgia. Say, Georgia? Georgia. Yeah, three, three games set this weekend in Tallahassee. Uh, what's her name? The pitcher, Sandra Cock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she threw a perfect game in the regionals to get them uh, get a one nothing win, get them into the super regionals. They were they were the number two seed, I think, going into this tournament. Yeah, uh, the Lady Seminoles. So, are we allowed to say Lady Seminoles now? Is that is that? I thought uh, I used I, to say that all the time. 
I thought no. I thought so. Like I like I remember like the I remember like even like Tennessee women's basketball. They were the Lady Vols, right? Are they still the Lady Vols? I think at some point that became what not what we're supposed to call them. I I, I lose track of it. I don't know, wow. you know, how people got triggered with that. Uh, but um, whatever, uh, <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, the. Florida State softball team is kicking ass. Let's just put it that way. Hopefully, nobody's offended. Um, all right, we got to get to see the uh, the NBA. Did you watch any of the Celtics Heat last night? I watched the um, entire game last night because I, I yesterday, if you heard me on the show, I, I called out Jason Tatum. I said he wasn't. You a, did. I did, said he was not a superstar, and zero field goals in the first three games in the fourth quarter. That can't happen. If you're a supposed superstar trying to get 250 million on on in the next contract and all those things, what is not that? a single bucket. Like, come on, no. Like, are you kidding me? And what does he do? This this is typically what happens. By the way, when I trash somebody or call someone out, they usually respond. It's kind of the effect with me. That's fine. Good, good job. I want everybody yeah. to succeed. And he goes out and drops 34 and is 14 for 22 from the field and played with such confidence. He got anything he wanted in that game. Turning point of that game was when he came, he he they subbed him out. Miami went on a little run there in the fourth quarter, and then he came back in and they immediately went on a seventeen to three run, completely put them away. So Boston stays alive. I don't think they're coming back in this series necessarily. I think it's too little, too late. But at least we have some kind of series. This is the only team in the in the conference finals, NHL or NBA, to make this not a sweep. So that's good to see. Yeah, yeah. Um... But again, the Celtics, and I was watching Get Up this morning. You know, Greenberg is all about they can come back from three zero. Nobody's ever done it. I think it's one hundred and forty nine and zero. They could come back from three zero. And he makes a good point. The Celtics are the better team, and they have been the better team. They're they're the more talented team. Um, you know, but to me, it's there's it, like something going on with their coach Mazzola, uh, where the team like is not listening to him or doesn't or doesn't believe in him and. They're going to do their own thing. And last night they kind of decided to do their own thing. People are talking like, I, I don't know where that's at. I don't, I don't, I don't have any inside scoop on that, but the bottom line is the Celtics are a more talented team than the Miami heat. And when they play with will and determination and some cojones, they can force their will on Miami if they want it bad enough, but they haven't seemed to want it bad enough, which is, is absolutely well, mind boggling. Last night was like a, they got yeah. the perfect storm last night. They finally had Tatum show up, but they hit the three ball. And if you've watched the Celtics all year, they're so predicated on if they can hit the three or not. And that's what they haven't been able to yeah. do through the first three games. I think they hit 18 or 19 yesterday. They had that working for them. Grant Williams gave them 14 off the bench. Al Horford gave them 12 off the bench. That was his best offensive game in like two series. I, don't, I just don't know if that's sustainable. I really don't think that's sustainable to get double digits out of Grant Williams and and uh, Al Horford in this series. And when you look at Miami, I think they got seven guys who on any given night can give you double. I mean, Gabe Vincent put up, what, 29 in game three? Uh, yeah. They just have I, – everybody keeps saying that. The Celtics are the more talented team. The Celtics are the more talented team. I'm not so sure it's that big of a gap, though. I'm really not. I think Miami has a bunch of sharpshooters, and they have a bunch of guys who are undervalued. Like Gabe Vincent, like Mass Struess. Miami barely Miami. made the playoffs. I mean, they barely made it. I, they, were, they were a mediocre regular season team. And I know Jimmy Butler turns it up in the playoffs. I get that. 
But they just, I, I don't, I mean, they're playing well. And, and is Gabe Vincent going to score 29 every single time? No. I but mean, it, I, I don't know. No, but. I'm not saying the Celtics can do this because I don't think they have the cojones to do it four games in a row. I just don't think they, they I don't think they're, they're tough enough to do it. I think Miami will break their will in one of these games because they're fragile. I think the, those two guys and the whole Boston team just seems fragile to me. They don't, they don't have the intestinal fortitude that it takes to advance in the playoffs round in and round out. The Miami Heat play with that type of, of intensity that you need to play in the playoffs. The same thing in hockey. Some guys can do it in the regular season, some, but, but can't do it in the playoffs. And the, the Celtics look like that kind of team to me. Well, I, I don't, I, again, I, I don't really put much stock into the fact that the Heat were a playing team and kind of backdoored their way into the playoffs because it's the same team. They're here. It's the same team. Right. They're, they're here, and it's the same team they had last year that was number one seed, and they went home. They just they found a way to kind of just skate through the regular season, and you get in, and anything can happen. Great example of that's in the NHL right now. The Florida Panthers are one game away from sweeping the Hurricanes and going to the Stanley Cup, and they were the eighth seed, and they were floundering all season long trying to figure out what they are. So I just think that's where we are in the NBA and NHL playoffs, and I think that's a great thing that it's so unpredictable, and we could have an eight seed take down the one seed potentially in both Miami. sports. So I don't, I don't really put much stock to it. Miami's a really good team, and I think they're going to be your, your representative, and we're going to get Nuggets heat in the final. I don't know what I think about that, um, except I, I think Miami's big enough and they're tough enough to give Ja, uh, I mean not Ja, um, Joker, we'll talk about Ja here in a second, um, some trouble. Can you, By the way, did you see Magic's tweet about Joker? I did not, know. <clears throat> I just retweeted it. Uh, let me get it word for word here. Um, he said, let me I read this, the Joker is changing the game of basketball right before our very eyes, much like Michael, Larry, LeBron, Steph, Kobe, Kareem, and Shaq. He didn't mention himself, but we'll go ahead and put you in there. Um, wow. For Magic Johnson to say that? And I got to I gotta agree with him. I've never seen a player like Joker. I've never seen a player like him. He's different. He's in every way. He's just different. You know, the shot angles, the variation of shots that he has, his ability to shoot outside, his passing ability, his ball handling, uh, his knowledge of the game, his feel for the game. It's just, it's like you said yesterday, the dude is a triple double machine, but he's never padded stats. It seems like every play he makes is integral to winning for his team mm -hmm. and he is the quintessential superstar that doesn't need two more superstars around him to be to have a great team he just makes everybody around him so much better just like magic did yeah like magic was the king of whatever my team needed on that particular night whether i you know if if my guys were hot if worthy and coop and all these guys were hitting their shots i'm just dishing all night long if I got to score forty in a final, I'm I'm going to score forty. I got to play the post. I'll play the post. Yeah. And and Joker can do it. He can do all of it. I think he is a generational player. I think that's fair yeah. to say. I agree with Magic because I mean, big man, and you grew up in the era where the big man would stay down low in the post and they would dominate. They usually had a really good move that they could go to at any given moment. Like Kareem with the sky hook is the greatest example of that. And and Akeem Olajuwon had some moves. Shaq obviously revolutionized the center position, especially when he was in Orlando, when he was, when he could run the floor and he, he right. was like a, he was just like a deer going down, up and down. Right. But Jokic, yeah. he slows the game down like nobody I've ever seen. 
Uh, he's the new age. He's like the new age center. I think a lot of people are going to try to model their game after him now at that position. And for my money, I know Dirk is out there, and Luca's very talented. I think he's the most talented European that has ever been in the NBA. And I'm including Dirk. Wow. I'm including Dirk into that. In all respect to Dirk, who's one of the greatest 20 players probably in the history of the game. I think Jokic is on that trajectory right now. He's only 28, which is scary to think about. He's got a lot more winning to come. This is a core that I think they can keep together for a long time. A, co- a really good head coach in Mike Malone. And Jokic mm. is the leader of that. So absolutely, he's a generational player, and I think he's changed the game. All right, before I get out of here, i got to talk about the Jamie Benn hit last night on Mark Stone, if you missed it. Uh, and very out of character for him. I like He, he just kind of snapped last night. Um, got involved in a bit of a, you know, a, a, took a, gave him a, a shot, hit him to the ice, um, Ben did. And while Stone was on the ice, he took his stick and cross-checked him right in the head. I mean, right in the head with all of his force on top of a guy. Like you could see a UFC guy grounded and pounding, except taking a hockey stick and cross-checking him. I'm shocked that uh, Stone was not really, really physically injured in that. Thank God. Uh, Maybe he got a piece of his helmet when he did it or what. I don't know, but thank God. And Jamie Benn, you know, five, two minutes in, he's got a, you know, misconduct. He's out of the game. You know, and they scored three goals, and the Knights were off and running, and, and they have a three zero lead now. But that was that was disgusting and out of character. What what, were you, what are your thoughts? You're the captain of the team. You're down two zero in a series that really hasn't been all that close. You're at home. You have to must win game. Why? Are, what are you doing? What are you doing? Not even two minutes into a hockey game, taking matters into your own, your own hands like that as a captain. I, to my, in my opinion, it's one of the most selfish things I think I've ever seen in the NHL from any player, let alone a captain, in this magnitude of a series and in that magnitude of a game. I think that immediately sank Dallas completely. Oh, of course. I thought the game was over yeah. right then and there. They just seemed completely dejected from that. It doesn't help when your goaltender, Ottinger, who was, we've been saying that he's the best goaltender left in the playoffs, and he gets yanked after seven minutes yesterday. Yeah. Giving up three goals. I, I'm really surprised at this output that Dallas has put out there, to be honest. I thought they were going to win this series against Vegas. I thought they were the better team going in. But they just seem like they have no life to them. Uh, and Jamie Benn, he's hearing, he has a hearing. I think it's going on as we speak. I would be shocked oh, yeah, if, he's if you see him the rest of yeah. the, if the rest of the series. First of all, I don't think they're going to win another game anyway, so I don't think it's going to no. matter. Uh, right. But just a selfish play all around and, and fitting that Dallas got what they, uh, they got last night. Yeah, it's uh, it's bizarre. The uh, first time ever we've ever had all these conference finals in the NBA and the NHL all uh, 3-0 until uh, we we got to win last night by the Celtics. It was, it was a little bit, it was a little weird, a little weird synergy there. I I agree with you there, but Vegas looks good, man. And that Jack Eichel trade, you know, nobody believed in Eichel at all, and for good reason. And Vegas has found a way to, to get them rolling. Bruce Cassidy's done a great job with the team. Bruce Cassidy yeah. gets the last laugh. Boston, he does. Boston goes he on does. and has a story regular season, doesn't get out of the first round, and Bruce Cassidy is taking Vegas to the uh, NHL finals most likely. How about that? Uh, all right, uh, I'm out of here for today, but Nick's got some great stuff for you the rest of the way. He's going to do the Baker Mayfield audio, which is really good stuff. you got to hear it. It's, it's it's a whole new dude, man, and uh, I think Bucks fans are really, really going to start gravitating towards him. Uh, Kyle Trask is not out of it, but um, I think you're going to hear some yep. very confident words from Baker Mayfield. 
All right, quick break. Back in three. Stay with us. in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business. Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by, never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there? You don't know where to start, right? We'll start at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Hey guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old, it's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well, so do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional, targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and 
emotional stability, not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan Stream Sports. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show, a Wednesday edition of the JP Peterson Show. Uh, you heard him there before we went to break. JP having to slide out a little early today, uh, so I'm going to take you all home here for the next uh, 20 minutes or so that we have left remaining. Going to get to the the Baker Mayfield audio from yesterday as he spoke with the media after his after day one of Buccaneers OTAs. As we're about four months away from the beginning of the season. Cannot wait for that. Uh, before I get to that, I just wanted to expound on a couple little notes. Uh, we were just having that discussion in the NBA and the NHL. Um, for I'll start with the NHL one, because uh, we were talking about that game last night with Dallas and the Jamie Benn thing. The other thing that happened during that game, and it, it really took away from from Game 3 of that Western Conference Final, was that crowd in Dallas last night, uh, a very hostile kind of atmosphere that we saw. And listen, I, I understand that you're a fan of the team and 
things are not going right for you. You could see the writing on the wall that you're not going to be going to the Stanley Cup and all that. But to st- I've never seen this before. To just start throwing beer cans and food and anything that you have, hot dogs, whatever. To just start throwing it all on the ice last night during the game. I've never seen that before. They had to, after the second period of play... They had to wrap things up with 21 seconds. There were still 21 seconds left on the clock. And they had to just send both teams down the tunnel and into the dressing room and end the second period early. I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. And I I thought it was a a black eye, if you will, on, on Dallas fans last night. And then coming out of the third period after all of that, here comes Vegas coming through the tunnel there, kind of on the side, on the side there, uh, through the boards. And Aiden Hill, the goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights, gets absolutely pelted with a full bucket of popcorn before he's going on. And then you have popcorn on the ice and all that, and so there's another delay to start the third period. What are you, Dallas fans, what are you doing? What are you doing? There's just no need for that. There's absolutely no need for that. I thought it was a big black eye on that fan base yesterday. You can be emotional, right? But to start throwing things at players and throwing things on the ice... And by the way, the most it wasn't like somebody on that team, Vegas, if you will, had made a dirty play throughout that game. It was none of that. You just got your ass kicked. That's all that really happened last night, and you were very upset about it, so you start throwing things at players and throwing things on the ice. I don't understand where why it had to get to that point. And we already touched on it, the Jamie Benn hit. That was the dirty thing that happened. And I'd argue that was the most dirty thing that we've seen all season in the NHL, let alone the playoffs. So... Just wanted to get that in there. Dallas fans, be better. Let's not have a repeat of that. If if Dallas gets their ass kicked in Game 4 on home ice, are we going to start throwing things again at the players? Are we going to start throwing things all over the ice? Please, let's let's refrain from that. Uh, and then the other note I had was in the NBA, and we were talking about the Nuggets, uh, who I think are going to win the whole thing. I, I don't see a team that's as complete as them. I love Miami. I love Jimmy Butler. I would love to see him kind of win an NBA title here. They've been kind of kicking at the can here, but so has Denver. And this is an interesting topic because we saw the retirement of Carmelo Anthony the other day uh, from the NBA, his official retirement. And it's funny because you have two players now who have played in the same organization, beloved by the fan bases, who wear the same number. And that would be Carmelo Anthony and Nikola Jokic, both number 15. And a lot of people are saying, well, how do you handle this? Because clearly you would think Carmelo Anthony would get his number retired. Jokic, if he retired after this season, his number should be retired as well. How do you handle that because they're the same number? And a lot of people are saying, well, why don't you just retire both of their numbers as 15? I don't think it's that simple. I'm, I've never been the biggest Carmelo Anthony fan necessarily, don't not taken away from his play, 10-time All-Star, one of the top 10 greatest scorers in the history of the game. I got all of that. But he never took the Nuggets to an NBA Finals. He never did that. And he had a lot of chances, too. The Nuggets had some really good teams. You go back and look, especially when George Carl was there, Carmelo Anthony, the team that he had with Chauncey Billups, and when they put Iverson together, like they, they were really good. But Carmelo Anthony never led them to anything. I never thought Carmelo Anthony and his career proved that, that he was good enough as a leader to get his team to the NBA Finals. Whereas Nikola Jokic, in his eighth season, has done it. This is going to be the first Finals appearance for the Nuggets. 
in their entire 47-year history. And even if you just compare them, Carmelo Anthony spent eight years with the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic is in eighth year now. And Nikola Jokic already is just, he's only one, I think, all-star, all-pro nominee. He's one short of Carmelo Anthony for his entire career. And he's letting he's led them to the NBA Finals, and I would argue that the th- last three years of Nikola Jokic, which he should be a three-time NBA MVP, not a two-time, he should be the the three-in-a-row winner of that award. Unfortunately, he's not. These three years were better than anything Carmelo Anthony did in in Denver, as far as I'm concerned. And Nikola Jokic, like I mentioned, is still 28 years old. There's a lot more historic seasons that he has to put up there in Denver. He's not going anywhere. Who's to say Denver is not going to be a mainstay in the NBA Finals going forward? Because they look like the bet. They look so well positioned right now to keep running this back year after year after year in the mighty West, right? So if Nikola Jokic continues on this trajectory, yeah, his number's getting retired. Not Carmelo Anthony. Nikola Jokic is. You don't have to retire both numbers. We don't have to do that. Nikola Jokic is, for my money, is the greatest player to ever put on a Denver Nuggets uniform. I just call him a generational big man because he is seriously one of one. He is a unicorn. And he puts up triple doubles on the regular. He broke Wilt Chamberlain's record for triple doubles in a postseason, and he hasn't even played in the finals yet. He might have double-digit triple-double games this postseason, which is unheard of. I bet nobody even touches that record for a long time. Maybe even Jokic breaks his own record at some point. That's the only way I see it being done. So that's that's all I have to say about that is Carmelo Anthony was a great player, but no, if it comes down to that, Nikola Jokic is the best player in Nuggets history, and he'll be the one to get his, his number retired. Uh, so that's that with Denver. Uh, like I said, we're going to get to the Baker Mayfield audio. We'll do that now, and before I play it, I'll just say, and we saw this the first Baker Mayfield press conference that he had when he spoke with about 20 minutes to the, the Bucks reporters when he was signed. It just seems like you just have, this is a different Baker Mayfield this time around than what we've seen in the past, especially in his Cleveland days. He seems like he's more mature. He's definitely more humble. And when you're young in your career, and he's always been you know, a very confident guy, and I feel like sometimes we take his confidence as arrogance, and there's a line there. To where are you being cocky or are you just being confident? And I think for right or wrong, Baker Mayfield, some of the incidents he had in college, some of the earlier things in Cleveland, it kind of made a lot of people go against him. And we were kind of just waiting for him to say the wrong thing. And then we would overanalyze it and say that he was immature. I'm just not seeing that Baker Mayfield now with the Bucks, And that's a great thing because this is the last chance for Baker Mayfield. I think he understands that. A great chance for him to get the starting job. Uh, we were talking yesterday. I don't know how. I don't know what Kyle Trask's uh, chances are of winning this job. I think he's got to outperform Baker Mayfield by a significantly, significantly higher level throughout this whole process. OTAs, training camp, preseason. He's going to have to be way better than Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. Uh, to get this starting job, but I'm just not sure if Kyle Trask has that level in him. If he does, that's great. You know, if if Kyle Trask can work out and be your quarterback of the future, that's great for the Bucks because then you have somebody that's under control for the next few years at a cheap rate. You don't have to worry about that position anymore. That'd be awesome, but I don't think the chances of that are very high. Uh, so well, let's listen uh, to Baker Mayfield yesterday uh, speaking with the media. And uh, first, first soundbite we'll play here 
uh, just in general, how day one went working in uh, Dave Canales' offense. Uh, it just Not just for, for me and the, and the quarterbacks, but just everybody, getting the system down, getting the fundamentals down. Um, and that's, that was the best part about how uh, Dave wanted to come in and install this offense is really take it slow, make sure that we have all the details and, and the foundation of what we want to be. Um, everybody's on the same page. And so I think that was the best part about what we've done up, in this, up to this point to now prepare ourselves to be ready to compete because, um, yeah, it, it just seemed like everybody was on the same page when we went out there. And, you know, when you get the live bullets flying for, for the first time, a lot of times it can seem a little messy, uh, especially with the younger guys for the first time. But it, it was very organized and, uh, yeah, limited pre-snap penalties and things like that. You know, there's, there's always imp- room for improvement. But uh, for a first day, uh, I think because of how Dave installed the offense, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah, it's just day one. A lot of learning, as as Todd Bowles kind of stressed yesterday. Uh, we got a long ways to go to see what this offense is going to look like, what these quarterbacks are going to look like in this offense. Uh, but until then, all we could do is we we could go off our grainy footage of every single throw that these guys make in practice, so we could overanalyze it. Uh, the one thing I saw yesterday, and we had touched on that with Scott, is we saw some bootlegs. We saw a lot of bootlegs and a lot of play action in this offense. Uh, for obvious reasons, we have not seen that in the last three years. Last year, it, it was obvious that's what they really missed in that offense, and I'm hoping that Baker and or Trask can, can bring that um, and kind of unlock the potential uh, with this offense. And to that point, here's Baker talking about his mobility and his uh, comfortability uh, running play action schemes. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm very comfortable uh, moving around, moving the pocket, but not only you know do I enjoy that, but... Our offensive linemen love it too. It, it keeps the you know the snap and the launch point uh, for, for us in a different place to keep the defense uh, just caught off guard a little bit. So it, it makes makes it easier for everybody when you're marrying up the run and the pass as well. And it's just a good system overall. Yeah, marrying running the pass. You're going to hear that kind of mantra throughout the season. And you know the run game has got to be better. Rashad White, we think, is going to be that bell cow. Potentially, we can get him 25 to 30 touches, get him involved in the pass game, which I think the Bucks tried to unlock that a little bit last year. Uh, but the issues up front, getting the ball out quick, obviously the scheme standpoint, it didn't really... I don't think we got the best out of Rashad White as a receiver last year that I think the Bucks would have hoped, and I think that's going to be a lot different. And I think a lot of play action, opening things up, is going to unlock his, uh, his potential there. Uh, and the other thing that we've been kind of talking about is the the whole connection to Shane Waldron and the offense, the familiarity. Uh, and here was Baker kind of talking about how this offense kind of relates to the one that he came from with Shane Waldron. Uh, I mean, Shane Waldron was in Los Angeles uh, for a few years before he went to Seattle with, with Dave last year. So there's definitely carryover, uh, similar system. And now when it comes to terminology and things like that, there's there's different uh, adjustments and and what they really want to get accomplished. So um, yeah, there, I mean. I've been on enough offenses now, so there's a little bit of relation to it to a lot of them, uh, but especially the most recent one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, familiarity is is big around the league, and to his point there, he's been in a lot of different offenses, and you know, at the end of the day, maybe some of these offenses are not as as different as others. There's a lot of minor tweaks in there that make them kind of tick, uh, but it's good to see that Baker has some kind of that familiarity there. Uh, I wanted to get to this one for sure. Uh, because we've been talking a lot about this. The Bucks are being, I don't want to say disrespected, but they've been kind of discredited a little bit with what the national media kind of thinks of this team going into this season. And listen, I understand 
this team had Super Bowl aspirations going into last year. They went 8-10, and 10, counting the playoff game against Dallas. They looked a shell of the team that they were the year prior, and especially in 2020. And I think everybody's accounting that Tom Brady, I think everybody's looking at it so cut and dry that Tom Brady won you four games last year at the end of the game, and now you take him out of the equation, you're going to lose all those games, and you're going to be a four-win team, and you're going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, which I've had enough of hearing. I, I've, I've really had enough of hearing that. I don't think there's much differentiating all these teams in the NFC South. I could see a scenario where any one of them comes through and bees that alpha in this division and gets through the playoffs, including your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and Baker was kind of asked about that, that national perception uh, of the Buccaneers, and here's what he had to say. In this division last year, and I'm pretty sure the Bucks won it still, so... Um... I don't really care what the people in, in Vegas are putting odds on it because it's uh, it's May. We haven't we haven't played a real snap of football. There's a long way to go before that, and uh, yeah, it's just the time of year where everybody's pretty bored and they don't really have much to talk about, and uh, it, it makes it fun. Yeah, I mean, listen, we have a long time before the season starts, and everybody's going to put their power rankings and their predictions and all that, and I understand it. I just think a lot of people are off base with this team right now. There's so much talent still here on this roster. We've talked about it. There's about 10 to 12 guys on this team that are have either been to Pro Bowls or they have the potential to make a Pro Bowl and some other really good players in this league. And if you, I think if you're comparing them to like, because everybody's putting them in that Arizona category and they're putting them in that Indianapolis category. I, I think they're they're far and away ahead of those teams. I true I truly believe that, even with the quarterback situation, and I think they're going to shock some people. And I'm not talking winning ten games or anything like that, right? And I'm not penciling them to the, into the division crown, even though I could see them winning it. I'm saying that if they can get in between seven to nine wins, I think realistically that is where this team is going to sit at. I don't think the schedule is as daunting as many may seem, they kind of have those teams, I mean, the games they have against big teams, they're kind of spread out enough, and in the second half of the season, they're going to face a lot of inexperienced quarterbacks. I think seven of the last ten games of the season are going to be against first and second year quarterbacks, and I know a lot of Bucks fans have some, including me, some PTSD. We've seen young quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, kind of tear up the Bucks in the past. I think they've started to kind of right that ship a little bit here in the in the last few years. I think this defense will be better when you look at the speed that they brought in. Uh, Kalijah Kansi in particular, the first-round pick, I mean, he's replacing Keem Hicks's role. And uh, Akeem Hicks, for all that he's done in the league, it was clear last year that he had lost a step. He couldn't stay on the field. And I think Kalijah Kansi is going to be a big upgrade there and, and kind of take some of that load off of Vita Vea. Logan Hall, you heard it there with Scott Reynolds, He's 300 pounds now. He's 300 pounds, and I think he's. I think he could slide into that Will Golston role if they don't bring Will back here during the summer. And I think you should be more improved up front. Greg Gaines, you'd throw him there as well. Ryan Neal, who I think could be the unsung hero of this defense, huge upgrade as far as I'm concerned over the veterans and Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal. And I think his best football is probably still ahead of him, and they got him for a bargain, kind of fell into their lap after Seattle for whatever reason, Seattle moved off of him. Um, so, yeah, I think this team uh, definitely is going to be uh, a lot better than, than what we saw last year. 
even with Tom Brady not being in the building. I know that sounds taboo to say, but I think there's a real scenario with that. Uh, and then this last one from from Baker, uh, his excitement of being around the all the weapons that he has on this team. Yeah, um, honestly, I'm truly impressed. I mean, obviously, we got, we got two great veterans. Um, and then, obviously, we, Russell had a little bit of an injury last week, but uh, he, he was doing really well before that. And then, yeah, we have, we have a ton of speed, a lot of young speed. And so um, just trying to get these guys to, uh, you know, find, find their roles and, and find their place in this system because, you know, we talk about the speed that we have. Our, our tight ends can roll as well. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're excited about what we, can, what we can be with all the weapons we have. Yeah, there's a lot of weaponry around here to work with, that's for sure, with the Bucks. And as long as you have those top two in, in tow, I think you're going to be a you have a chance at being a really solid offense. He did mention there though that Russell Gage had, I guess he had an injury. He picked up an injury here recently, uh, and that's not great. I mean, this kind of derailed, I think, uh, his season last year was he got hurt early on the hamstring, and I don't think he could ever really recover. Now he did get open at a pretty high rate. Uh, but for whatever reason, he didn't get the ball more often than not. I don't think there was a lot of trust there with Tom, unfortunately, uh, with him not getting as many reps with the hamstring injury. So, But he's a $10 million receiver. He's another guy that you want to consider uh, part of maybe an X factor to this offense, a guy who was pushing for 1,000 yards the year prior in Atlanta. So hopefully he can get healthy and we can see him uh, on the field more this year for your Buccaneers. All right, that'll do it for us today on a, on a Wednesday edition of the J.P. 